Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. How are you, everybody? Welcome to this episode of The Burt Not Ernie Show podcast. You know, today's episode is the next one in our series on Every Book of Promise, and we're in the book of Ruth for this episode this week. And the book of Ruth, if you have never read it or maybe haven't read it in a while, it is just so rich. It's like four chapters, so it's not long at all. Like you could read this in one sitting. This could be like an evening devotional time before you go to bed. You could read one chapter a night. Um, each, you know, for a few nights this week, maybe you have something going on Wednesday and something else on Friday. So you have four nights available, you know, pretty easily to read a chapter a night, you will be encouraged by reading the book of Ruth. And I'm so excited that we're going to focus on actually a handful of verses. We're going to read a couple of verses from chapter one. We're going to look at, um, one specific verse from chapter two. And then a few verses from chapter four, because it's like, there's so much promise in this book that that every book of promise is like every chapter of the book of Ruth is a promise as well. So I hope you're ready to be blessed and encouraged because really the key word of this episode regarding the book of Ruth is blessing, blessing. So I hope you're ready for a blessing because I think you're going to get one based on what we find here in the word of God. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing in the Edify app. This is episode number 158. Alrighty, so I am going to be in the New Living Translation today, and I'm going to read a few verses from chapter one, Ruth chapter one, verses, um, I'm going to read one through one through five, because it kind of, we have to have a backdrop for the blessing. Like you've got to have like, you know how at night, if you've ever been out somewhere, like I remember my husband and I driving late one night, kind of along the up, up, up in the, the Tetons, the, the beautiful Grand Teton mountains. And it felt like we were so close to the sky. There wasn't a lot of traffic up there. Um, we were making a drive, getting a big hunk of the travel home out of the way. It didn't end up to be that big of a hunk because we stayed in Jackson Hole. So, but we got a little bit of the hunk out of the way and the kids are sleeping in the back. And it was like, wow, it feels like we are so much closer to the sky. And we were a little higher elevation, obviously, on the Grand Tetons. But, uh, and then looking up at like the the stars, the the limited lights, like no city lights, not a lot of traffic lights, no real house lights, contrasted with the 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 stars and the just the deep, rich, bluish blackness of the sky. The stars were so bright. They stood out amazingly. That's how it is with the book of Ruth. When we know the backdrop for what what took place before the blessing came, the blessing stands out the way those stars jumped out of the sky. And it feels a lot more up close and personal. We felt a lot more up close and personal, higher up, closer to the sky at that higher elevation when we kind of get the, we're going to kind of do that. We're going to take a higher elevation bird's eye look at the book of Ruth 
And we're going to look at it in a way that makes it so bright, so startling, that it feels up close and personal for each one of us, which is really my prayer over this episode, that the blessing here would become your blessing, that you would take the promises in the book of Ruth personally, because I really do believe God wants them to be personal. He's a personal God and he loves you personally. So let's uh, let's take a look at the backstory and then we'll jump in to the happier parts of the story, because the first part... It's not the happiest. Okay, verse 1 of Ruth 1 NLT, and I'm going to read through verse 5. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. Okay, hear that word severe. This was a severe famine, severe. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. I don't know if you know much about the Old Testament in Israel, but Moab and the Moabites, they weren't buddy buddies. They weren't like, they weren't friends. They were enemies. Okay. So, and like a kind of one of those, this is my arch nemesis kind of enemies. If you, if you read further on in, oh, get into the Kings for second Kings for second Samuel, the Chronicles, you'll, the Moabites, this was a big, big issue. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, he leaves where the famine is. He takes his family, he goes to live in Moab with the amongst the enemies, right? He took with him his wife and his two sons. The man's name was Elimelech and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died. Oh, see what I mean about like a tragic backstory. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. Okay, that that's like, now you see what I'm saying? Like, the blessing is going to be so contrasted by just the darkness and the grief. She left her home. She followed her husband. It's a horrible famine at home, left and went to a, a land that she probably never imagined she would live in. I don't imagine going to live in the homeland of my arch nemesis enemy. Uh, Then her son died and they'd been there a minute because it says her son's married two Moabite women. I'm not sure how that played out for Naomi. If that was hard on her, like, oh, they have their own gods. They have their own belief system. Are they going to influence my sons? I don't know. We're not given that information. We're given enough information that it seems as if they, these two women agreed to follow the God of their husband, who is the one true God. We, we have some indication of that later, later on uh, in the passage. Not very, well, probably just, just a little bit ahead. Like when the, the women are sent home by Naomi, and we'll get to that, that whether or not they go home or not, but and to go like, go back to your own people and your own gods. So, but I'm sure there's still some, the mom and Naomi was probably like, ooh, how much influence will there be on them with these, with these gods? And then both of her sons died. So, that what a horrible sentence this is that this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband the rest of her family is not here she's not at home in her home country she's kind of a foreigner in a foreign land a foreign land where she's probably not all that liked and she has two daughter-in-laws that like mm, what do we do here you know what's the what's the obligation what's the right thing to do okay let's bounce ahead to chapter 2 um i'm going to look at verse verse 12 from chapter 2 um, 
Yeah. Okay. So Ruth and, well, I'll fill you in in case you don't know the story. Uh, Naomi decided to go back home. She'd heard the famine ended, time to go back home, and the two daughter-in-laws were going to come with her. And at some point, probably not super far into the journey, Naomi stops and says, I, what are you going to do? Stay with me? I'm an older woman now. You know, I'm an old lady. I don't have any sons for you to marry, you know, in like to remarry, to marry in place of my sons that died. Go on back home to your, you know, to your family, to your gods. And Orpah went back. But Ruth said, you know, I'm sure you've heard this line, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you live, I will live. Where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. And when Naomi saw that she could not dissuade her, okay, no problem. You can come along. Come along with me. And off they went back to the land that was new to Ruth and probably not super comfortable. Like it might have been a little bit intimidating to go there because she was a Moabite woman, a Moabitess, and back to where Naomi was going back without the things she left with. I've come back empty. And when, when the people saw her coming back, you know, she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because I've, I went away full and I've, I'm coming back bitter, bitter and empty. Um, Mara, Mara means bitter waters. So uh, she really actually wanted them to speak a name over her that lined up with just how she was feeling. She'd suffered a lot of loss. So chapter two, verse 12, we've moved on to where they're kind of getting settled and uh, they've got this system in Israel where you can glean the fields if you are like a widow, an orphan. And of course, Naomi fits the widow category. Uh, So does Ruth. And so Ruth is gleaning the fields and going to a certain field of a person that Naomi told her to go to. This is my relative. Go to his field. And so she's at the field and she's around complete strangers, right? But she is deciding to just go out and work and try to make the best of this situation. Obviously had some type of a servant's heart that seems to be exhibited in her behavior. Um, And she just was in these fields getting some grain and he was giving her extra grain to take to Naomi. This is a beautiful story. And so verse 12, it says this of chapter 2. And this is Boaz speaking to Ruth. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He is saying to her, I see that you have done so right by your mother-in-law. You haven't become absorbed with your own grief. You haven't become focused just on yourself. You didn't ditch her and go back home to where it was comfortable and safe and you could stick with what you knew. Instead, you chose her and you chose to serve her and to take care of her and to watch out for her. You as a woman, a young woman in an environment where it might not be always safe for you, that's what you chose to do. And he says to her, I mean, this is like Boaz speaking a blessing over Ruth. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Wow. If I could speak a blessing over you today, it would be that. First of all, I would encourage you, keep on loving the Lord. You do what he tells you to do. You serve who he tells you to serve, you know, and you go and take refuge under his wings. I want to encourage you that first and foremost, whatever you're facing, it it probably doesn't look exactly like what Ruth and Naomi were facing, but I want to encourage you, go to the Lord God of Israel and under his wings, take refuge. And then my blessing is, may the Lord who you've taken refuge with, the God of Israel, reward you fully for what you have done. He's seen your service. He's seen when you've served in it, even though it's been so hard. He's seen when you've been like Ruth, probably deep in grief, 
facing the unknown, very confused about what might come next. You have no idea. You're at the mercy of people who let you pick up the grain on the edges of their fields and that which has fallen on the ground. You don't know what tomorrow holds, and you've taken on responsibility for someone else, which is really what Ruth did with Naomi. I'll, I'll find us food. You know, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm not, she didn't give in to despair. God has seen when you have done that, when you have made the choice to keep living, trusting him, honoring him in the face of huge odds and enormous unknown circumstances, like you know what today holds and you don't know beyond that. That kind of taking refuge in the Lord, God has seen it when you've kept serving in those situations. And so may he reward you fully for what you have done. Not partially, not mostly, not semi, but fully for what you have done. Okay, I'm going to jump ahead to chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 from chapter 4. Okay, so now we fast forward to, um, you know, there are policies and things. Do you call them a policy? Not really. But it's kind of like the, think of the law of Moses, the Torah. This is what they were to do for people in certain situations. Like they had things set up so that widows would be taken care of. You weren't just going to starve to death. That was never the intent uh, for the way that things, um, nobody was left out or forgotten. Even even foreigners and, and nobody was just abandoned per the way the Lord God wanted the people of Israel, the nation of Israel to treat other people. And so there's this kinsman redeemer, beautiful um, picture that ultimately is a picture of Jesus as our kinsman redeemer and the, or the family redeemer. You can call him that if you want to. That means kind of the same thing. So whoever is like the closest relative would have the opportunity to buy the property that belonged to the woman who was a widow. And then he could have the property. It stays in the family line because he's a relative, right? He's a family member. And the, so the property isn't being sold uh, to other, other clans in Judah, to other tribes or outside of the house of Israel. It just would stay in the clan, the specific family. And then you would take care of the widow, the children, whoever it might be that kind of came with the property, if that makes sense. And so they called that a kinsman redeemer, a family redeemer. And the first one who was closest, he wanted the land, but he did not really want the obligation of, you know, caring for, uh, caring for the family and, and certainly not for caring for Ruth and the, and the possibility of her having more children. The, if there was someone, a young woman, a woman young enough who could possibly have an heir, they needed to have the opportunity to have the heir so that the, the land then would go back to that child if they had a boy and it would become theirs again and it would just kind of return to the original direct family line descendant, if that makes sense. So, but he, uh, this, the first one who had the opportunity to redeem it, the closest family member, he did not want all of that. I mean, his exact words in verse six of chapter four were, I can't redeem it because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. So think about what he's saying there. I don't know what that means with like how much he valued money in his own property, his own estate. What does that say about maybe he didn't want there to be any competition down the road, his own sons. And then there's this other part of land with this uh, other wife and her child. And maybe just, he just, he said, no, I'm not going to do it. Well then guess who has the opportunity to step up and redeem the land and with it, Naomi and Ruth. Boaz, he's kind of the next in line. And so Boaz bought the land and he um, went on to marry 
Ruth, right? So, I mean, and this is somebody who was, it doesn't sound like he was a younger man based on what we read. I think it's in verse three uh, where the the idea of of marrying Ruth kind of comes about. The actual conversation happens where he says, you didn't go after a younger man, but you, you know, you, you didn't do what you could have done. You did the right thing basically and uh, stuck with me, you know, as the kinsman redeemer and followed the traditions of of Israel doing things our way. You didn't go after a younger man. So it sounds like she was maybe young enough and pretty enough to go after a different man, but she just did the right thing. And uh, so that's how we know Boaz is kind of older than her. Um, But verses 11 and 12, so they're going to get married, right? And he's going to redeem the land. Naomi's going to be taken care of. Okay, you see that blessing of this contrasted with the backdrop of just the things that had happened in Naomi's life and Ruth's life that just were so heart-wrenching and so painful and so difficult. And then here we have, you know, uh, these blessings. So verse 11 and verse 12 of chapter four from the NLT, then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of the Israel descended. May you prosper and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. Now, if you don't know the story of Judah and Tamar, it's definitely one where Tamar was kind of wronged by Judah. And she took matters into her own hands and ended up with Judah saying, you are more righteous than I am. And basically, Judah ended up speaking a blessing over Tamar. Uh, it was a beautiful story of um, just it's, it's a beautiful story, the way it all works out with him saying, you're more righteous than I am. And the line of Judah, of course, would be, you know, the tribe of Judah that Jesus descended from eventually. So it's a really amazing, wonderful blessing to have spoken over you. I cannot even imagine, because they're, they're talking to Boaz, but they're talking about Ruth, a Moabite woman, a woman from this over here tribe of people, the Moabites, our arch nemesis. And what they're saying to you is, is there, what they're saying to her, speaking about her. So speaking a blessing over her, may the Lord make Ruth like Rachel and Leah, Rachel and Leah, all of the nations of Israel descended from Rachel and Leah. Then they blessed him, Boaz, by saying, may you prosper and be famous. And then went on to say, may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez. And Perez was the son of Tamar and Judah. This is a blessing of blessings to be given this kind of a blessing by the elders who would have been sitting at the city gate, who would have um, confirmed that they were witnesses that Boaz bought the land and he was taking Naomi and Ruth under his care. Ruth's going to be his widow. They're witnesses to it, and they speak a blessing over it. I love this. I don't know who the city elders sitting at the gate watching over what happens in your life might be. Whether those types of people in those positions have blessed you or not today, I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Like, let me be a witness. The Lord is going to do something for you. May the Lord bless you in the, in, the, in the ways that are similar to the ways that he blessed Ruth. The blessing that she was given, that her home would be like Rachel and Leah. May you just have a home that is just so rich and filled to overflowing with the Lord's blessings. And I'm not just talking about the tangible stuff. I'm talking about the intangibles, not just the, the hands-on. I'm not talking about you buy yourself a bigger 
flat screen TV and a more comfy couch to make your man cave so that you can really enjoy it and your she shed out back and a bigger boat. I'm not talking about that. That really is when the rubber meets the road, those things, they do not matter. I am talking about may you be so blessed in the things that matter the most. Time with people that you love, fruitful time. May your children love the Lord your God with all all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love him fiercely. And may they rise up to call you blessed. Mama out there listening per Proverbs 31, your children, they will arise and call you blessed. Which uh, when you read Proverbs 31, um, take a look at that sometime and contrast it with Ruth and see if the two don't seem pretty similar. You kind of wonder, like, could Solomon, when he wrote this, have been writing it about Ruth? And I'll get to why that's a possibility. Maybe not exactly, but maybe um, in just a moment. But my blessing over you is that you would have fruitful relationships, that your home would be a haven where the Lord God Most High is glorified and honored. May you know and understand the times in which you live and the will of the Lord for you specifically better and better day by day. May you have good health, that's a gift from the Lord. And we find in the New Testament where John wrote uh, that he wrote in one of his letters, I pray that the Lord finds you, that you'll be in good health as a gift from the Lord. So in an Isaiah, by his stripes, you are healed. May you have that kind of good health that doesn't leave you hindered and hampered from living your life fully for his glory. May you have that kind of blessing. May you have relationships that are rich and deep and glorify the Lord. May you have friendships with like-minded Christ-following believers who are passionate about Jesus and who will encourage you and challenge you, admonish you if need be, but love you in that admonishing to point you toward Jesus. May you be equally yoked. May your endeavors be blessed. May you not be hindered and hampered in your work for the Lord. And may your work that is just your, what you may see as just your work, just your job, how can that be? a part of this blessing. Well, I'm going to say, may it be so blessed. May the Lord bless the work of your hands that you have favor with the people that you work with, that you are just walking in a state of favor and grace and growing in your own wisdom and knowledge of the Lord and growing in your love. May the love of the Lord flow out from you onto your workplace and your coworkers. And it's worth praying the place that we work because we spend so much of our time and our life there. May you be a blessing to the people around you and see the Lord's hand on you in that place right now in this moment. I speak a blessing over you, a Rachel and Leah and Tamar and Judah size blessing over you. That is what I want to speak over you today. And may this be a blessing that proves true in your life and that contrasts so much with whatever heavy darkness, backstory there might be, that you will be able to say, as Job did, uh, the end uh, the end is better than the beginning. Job said the end of it, God blessed Job more in the end of his life than he did in the beginning. That's kind of the prayer I'm praying for you today. Such a blessing now that whatever's come before, even the hardest things, it's just small compared to what's coming right around the corner. And then the last little bit of this that I want to, that I want to mention is, um, what happened next? So Boaz, I'm reading from verse 13 in chapter four from the NLT. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. The Lord enabled her to become pregnant. She gave birth to a son. The women of the town said to Naomi, here's Naomi's blessing in this. Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth 
and care for you in your old age, for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. All right, I got another blessing to speak over you. Man, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that you have been provided a redeemer for your family. Your redeemer, your kinsman redeemer is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, where, where this is spoken here, the women who said, may this child be famous in Israel. I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you how that came to be because um, guess who this baby was? They named this baby Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Indeed, indeed, I don't know that outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's anyone more famous in Israel than David. And that was in their lineage. So what was spoken over them proved true because God is good. God hears and answers prayers. He is so kind. Uh, Verse 15, may he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. If you feel like you need some restoration, you're feeling weary, beat down, a little too old for where you're at at this point in time, or even if you are genuinely older and you're feeling it, I just speak over you. May the Lord restore your youth right now and care for you in your old age, even to your last day. May you just be youthful. That doesn't mean no gray hair, no wrinkles, but youthful in the, in the most Jesus focused way that you possibly can be. Thank you, Lord. And this woman got the blessing. Naomi got the blessing of a daughter-in-law, Ruth, who loved her and it was better to her than seven sons. And seven is God's perfect number. So it's like this blessing is a tremendous blessing. May you have that kind of blessing over your life a sevenfold blessing over your life in whatever area you most need it. You know what it is. I don't. You know what it is. Um, and then, as I, as I mentioned earlier, that the baby is named Obed, the father of Jesse, the grandfather of David. And then, and then what came after David? Well, Solomon. And Solomon wrote Proverbs chapter 30. No, actually, Solomon didn't write Proverbs 31. That was somebody else that wrote Proverbs 31. I am going to correct myself. I could look it up right now and see who wrote it, um, but my keyboard will be very clacky. He didn't write it. So that was a misspeak on my part. And as I said a couple of weeks ago regarding the book of Judges and then the book of Joshua, how I mixed up the Judges story into Joshua, um, I, I have to be quite frank with you. I don't like it when I make mistakes like that. Nobody does. However, I have to be honest. One of the things the Lord put on my heart years ago was, um, don't be fake. Be very, very real. It's not a contest. It's just life. And so part of my just life is when I am, uh, when I have some health conditions that I don't always sleep well, when I don't sleep well, I get legitimate brain fog. And when I get legitimate brain fog, I can stumble around in, well, it's brain fog. It impacts, um, if I haven't done the research and have all of it right in front of me on paper, I can have just a brain fog. And you can tell, can you not tell by my mistakes lately that I have not been getting good restorative restful sleep like I need to? I absolutely have not. And last night I basically got, I, I had terrible sleep. I had lousy sleep. So, um, I'm sorry that I mixed up the, Solomon wrote most of Proverbs, but not Proverbs 31. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding me of that. So I didn't misspeak again. However, I would say, I guess, um, let me add an addendum there. You could look at the Proverbs 31 woman and you can see much of that in the life of Ruth. Just her heart to serve others, her genuine love for Naomi, which bled over into, I'm sure, love for other people. I think that's probably kind of hinted at in this story. Uh, May you have someone in your life who loves you the way that Ruth loved Naomi. And if you have more people than just one that love you that way, ah, what a gift from the Lord. And may you have 
uh, the knowledge and understanding of your kinsman redeemer, Jesus, how much he will continue to provide for your family. He's redeemed you. And may he redeem your entire family and provide for your family, as it says in Ruth 4, verse 14. May that be your blessing as well. And as I wrap up today's episode, I am just going to, in light of the fact that I have stumbled around a little bit in the last few episodes, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, would you pray for me to sleep better, that some of this brain fog issues would just um, kind of be removed? I feel like it hinders and hampers me and kind of even sometimes is it can be discouraging and I don't want to walk in any sort of discouragement. So I'm just going to ask if you would pray for me to, in spite of some of the health issues, things with my heart and other things that make it just really, sleep is just, it doesn't always come easily. It's not always good. When it's good, oh, I'm so thankful. But when I don't sleep well, I really, I feel like I suffer and I pay a steep price for it and it has a really big impact. If you wouldn't mind praying for me, I would be more grateful than I will ever be able to express. So the best I can do is say, thank you, Thank you. I'm so sincerely grateful for your prayers. Thank you for that. And I'm going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. Um, next episode, I it may be a little bit different. Um, it might be kind of a, I might step back for one episode and talk about something different on the podcast um, because I have, um, I've got some stuff going on this weekend and into next week. And uh, it's good stuff. It's um, important stuff, but it may kind of slow down my time, maybe that I would normally focus on writing the next episode. So um, we're going to go a little bit different for the next episode, but I'm so blessed that you joined me for this one. And then after that, we'll be right back on to every book of promise. And um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I pray that the blessings I spoke over you today will come to pass and quickly and soon. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day, and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.